It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Locked On Vikings, Locked On Podcast Network, Sam and Sage back with you at Sam Extra, Matt Sage Rosenfels 18. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Audio Boom, leave a rating, leave a review. And thanks for listening as always. Sage Rosenfels with us on his way to Austin, Texas to call the Iowa State Cyclones Texas Longhorns game. But good enough, of course, to give us a few minutes on this Friday morning. Sage, what's up? Not much. Should be a fun little weekend for myself. A lot of old teammates live in the Austin area or in Texas. Uh, you know, obviously, as the Midwestern school, you have to recruit Texas. And so this Austin game every two years sort of becomes a little family reunion for a lot of my old teammates. So not only am I calling the game, I get to see a lot of old buddies too. That's cool. Not a bye week for you. You've got to get ready for this game tomorrow. The Vikings on a bye. So we kind of have a potpourri of a show today with a lot of randomness. Going to go all over the map a little bit. You spoke of former teammates. I was just glancing through uh, some old Sage Rosenfels rosters, maybe for a, a bit that we'll do later on. But I noticed that you played with none other than Chris Carter in Miami. I never even put that together. I did. Uh, we were 2002, and we were a really good football team. We're about, I think we're like 5-1 and one with the Miami Dolphins. And uh, Aronde Gadsden was our one of our receivers. It was Aronde and Chris Chambers. And uh, we had this, I think it was a Sunday night game, uh, or maybe it was a Monday night game, but it was a great game versus the Denver Broncos. And we won the game, but we had uh, Aronde broke his wrist, and I think Chambers was hurt too. So we were in need of some wide re- immediate wide receiver help. Well, Chris Carter was recently quasi-retired, living in you know, Boca Raton, right up the road, and, and uh, they brought him in. I actually was the quarterback who had to throw to him, uh, which was a bit unnerving as a you know 23-year-old, 24-year-old at the time, and uh, throwing to Chris Carter. So, uh, yeah, my favorite Chris Carter story was uh, maybe about a month or so later, uh, University of Pittsburgh was playing against the University of Miami on a Thursday night football game, and... I had nothing to do that night, and obviously Larry Fitzgerald was a true freshman on that team, and he was, you know, Chris Chris Carter was like his sort of godfather or or whatever. So we drove down to that game together and watched that game from the sidelines. It was my, I guess, first and only experience in the Orange Bowl uh, on the sidelines or just in that in that stadium, and watching those Hurricane teams of the early 2000s, which just had unbelievable talent all over the field in particular on defense i think almost every player on defense was drafted in the first round from ed reed uh to sean taylor um i think philip buchanan was a corner uh, jonathan vilma john beeson 
DJ Williams were the linebackers. Uh, I think Vince Wilfolk was the was the nose tackle. It was an, it was a great game too. Pittsburgh played them really well. Fitzgerald had a big game. I think Willis uh, Willis McGahee went for a long run uh, in that game as well. So yeah, stars all over the field for the Miami Hurricanes. And my chance to hang out with Chris Carter for a night, and I guess I guess I have a pretty good story. Talk about a, a name drop though with all those defensive players on the on the Canes. That's unbelievable. Vince Wilfork. We just saw Vince Wilfork with Houston. He's still in the league. Yeah, and I think Andre Johnson might have been a wide receiver. Eric Winston, who's still in the NFL as a right tackle for the Bengals, was a true freshman uh, tight end. Uh, Kellen Winslow was a tight end. Yeah, that team had an unbelievable amount of talent. I think Frank Gore might have been the backup tailback or something like that in that in that game. It was <laughs> it, it was quite the experience to you know be on that sideline and you, you, know, you had I think I stood next to Rohan Marley, Bob one of Bob Marley's sons. Uh, who played at the University of Miami on the sidelines. I mean, the, some, some, some great old legends uh, that played in the NFL for a long time, the Stork, um, some great old players. So it was, I said, that was quite the experience. You know, the Vikings actually delivered a, a gut punch to Miami in that 2002 season when Miami was 9-5. and five, They went to the Metrodome, and then it was 17-17, very late in that game. I want to say it was almost at triple zeros. And then Gary Anderson who people remember for a different reason, but he kept kicking after 98, and he probably had about a maximum of 50 yards in his leg at that point, but they sent him out there for a 53-yard field goal that I think got over the crossbar by a good six inches that he made to win the game for Minnesota. Do you remember that one? Of course I do. We ended up, we ended up losing our last two games that year after being 9-5 and five and, uh, and missed the playoffs at 9-7, and seven. and that was – that was one of the most talented teams I was ever on. Ricky Williams ran for over 1,800 yards. Uh, he had an unbelievable year. But, yeah, we were playing in that game. Randy Moss had, like, a reverse where he should have gotten tackled in the backfield and spun out of it and went, like, a 50-yard touchdown pass. I mean, it was just uh, – it was something – I think Ricky ran for about over 200 yards in that ball game, and we still lost. But, yeah, I remember on the sidelines, Gary lines up for – you recall, I think it was a 51-yard field goal in that game, something like that. 53 and, and is what I'm saying. yelling, that's too – they're going to fake it. That's too deep. He can't kick it that far. <laughs> sure enough, they do kick it, and he makes it. <laughs> and that was a lost year for the Vikings, too. And they were they were 4-10 and 10 at that point. Mike Tice was under fire. They were kind of rebuilding from the Denny Green era and those great teams of the late 90s. And they'd had a couple bad years in a row, which was rare for Minnesota, but that was a, a rare bright spot in the Vikings season. Was that your rookie year, Sage? That was my second year. Uh, rookie year was with Washington, and Rick Spielman and Norv Turner uh, traded for me down to Miami. So Mike Shula was the quarterback's coach, and Dave Wanstead was the head coach. And, uh, yeah, so we had, we had quite the team. We ended up going to New England in week 17, up 21 nothing, and ended up losing that football game. Uh, came back and – I could tell you a whole story about that game, too. One of the crazier games of my career, but I ended up losing that game and missing on the playoffs. And, and what a terrible ending to, uh, to a team that had a ton of talent. Yeah, that's rough. And, and the Dolphins really have not gotten close to the Patriots since then, except for maybe the Tom Brady year when he got hurt. I think Miami had a good year that time. Tough run for the Dolphins since that point. A couple other NFL notes. The Broncos lose again last night, Sage. They, they might be human. Uh, they lose 21-13 against the San Diego Chargers in a game that the Chargers really dominated from start to finish. Did you catch any of that? Well, yeah, I, I caught up plenty of that game. And, you know, I want a couple of things. One, the Chargers aren't that bad. 
Uh, they're actually a pretty good team. I they you know the, the crazy stats about them losing by like under four points or four points or less that they've had about four losses this year. Um, so they're a good football team. You know sometimes people say the the difference between winning and losing is so small if you blink you'll miss it. And I think the Chargers are in that situation this year. Uh, they could easily have four or five wins, but so they're a good football team and they're playing at home on a short week. Denver has to travel, and at the end of the day, you know Denver is. They're weak at that quarterback position, and, and uh, they, they definitely miss having a, you know, a Hall of Fame-type quarterback or a really good quarterback. Obviously, Peyton Mann didn't play very well last year, but the Denver Broncos' offense wasn't very good last year, and they weren't dominant early in the year last year. They really dominated at the end of the year. <laughs> so this is not surprising to me that they're having some struggles right now with a, you know, a second-year, um, first-time starting quarterback and a rookie playing last week. It's Locked on Vikings. We partner with ColdOmaha.com and Cumulus Media. Thanks for the studio space, Cumulus. Make sure to check out Locked on NFL with Matt Williamson. We had him on the show yesterday. Go back and podcast that. Also Locked on Fantasy with Vinny Iyer. So I've got three Minnesota Vikings questions for you. None of them are linked, but we're just going to plow through them. Kyle Rudolph and Adam Thielen had children in the past week. Rudolph had twins. Thielen had a, a single baby. Did any of your kids get born in season, Sage? And if so, how does having a kid during the NFL season affect the the day-to-day juggle of all that responsibility? Well, my son was born July 3rd, right before my rookie year. So I had about three weeks uh, before I had to have the training camp for him, my rookie training camp. And uh, my next daughter, Ava, she was born on August 20th. So right in the smack dab middle of, of training camp or I think it was right before the third preseason game. Uh, and my other daughter was born in February. So she, the third one was the best timing. Mm-hmm. But uh, the second one was, was tough. I, I think she was born on a Friday night. Um, it, it was, I can't remember if it was a Thursday night or Friday night, but we had a game the next night. And I was up all through the night. Um, and, uh, and she came out healthy and everything. But I got almost no sleep or no sleep at all. And ended up playing the entire second half. Uh, of uh, of that preseason game. Obviously, coaches let me miss meetings and things like that. It was just a preseason game, but man, I was absolutely exhausted and and uh, no, it's not easy um to to have a young baby in the house during the football season. It's it is definitely a challenge and and uh, hopefully those guys have a little bit of help. I actually talked to Kyle Rudolph and his wife Jordan uh last week when I was up there for alumni weekend and her family was going to be in town for a couple weeks. Uh, to help take the load off, and it sounded like those twins were sleeping pretty dang good. So uh, hopefully, uh, and, you know, a lot has to do with that, uh, as you know, of, you know how well those those babies sleep. If they cry all through the night, man, that can be that can be tough. But if they get some sleep, uh, it's not that bad. Good for the Thielens, though, for having their child just before the bye week started. I mean, they built in some paternity leave for dad. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I got a feeling that Zimmer would, would have still made him come in for a few meetings if they had anything required this week. But, uh, yeah, that's really good timing to have it during the bye week. A lot of things happening during the bye week. Yeah, indeed. Talker number two. Now, this is a, a look ahead. Could Sam Bradford be a league MVP candidate? Because if you go by pure stats, I mean, he's nowhere close to league leading. Because completion percentage is good, but the touchdown numbers and the total yards are fairly low. But I think if you treat it strictly as valuable, how valuable he is to this team, I'm not sure the Vikings could do what they're doing without him. 
And that, in my mind, at least puts him on the bubble in the conversation. Well, I, I think he could be in the conversation. I don't think it's going to happen just because usually the MVP puts up bigger numbers or, or you know, some eye-dropping numbers. But, yeah, you're right. This team is right now ranked as the best team in the NFL in most of these power indexes. And a lot of that has to do with Sam Bradford. They, they definitely wouldn't be 5-0 uh, and uh, without him. Um, and it's an interesting year because it's a year Aaron Rodgers isn't having a great year statistically. Cam Newton's not having much of a year. Tom Brady missed the first four games. Uh, Drew Brees is not having a huge year. Matt Ryan is probably the, you know, the easiest candidate right now uh, with Atlanta's offense, I think, leading the NFL in a lot of statistical categories. But a lot of these sort of classic quarterbacks that we've talked about in, in, in the years past of being some of the best of the NFL are not having – uh, eye-dropping, you know, type of years and statistically actually down years for almost all of them. So uh, if there's a year that he could be in the running for it, I think this would be the year. Amazing that the Vikings could have a QB in the running or even in the conversation for MVP after what we experienced there after the Bridgewater injury. That's pretty incredible. Going to interrupt just for a second to tell you how to get in the action and play like the pros at mybookie.net. It's the most exciting online experience for sports fans. MyBookie features real Vegas odds and incredible player props on every football game. Game already kicked off? No problem. MyBookie has live in-game lines with odds updated in real time. It's never too late to play. Optimize for smartphone users for nonstop action on the go. Take MyBookie with you. Even though you didn't ask for it, here's my advice on a couple plays this weekend. Packers minus four against the Cowboys. Washington plus two against the Eagles. Chiefs pick them at Oakland. Andy Reid doesn't lose after the bye. Just go online, type MyBookie in your browser, and sign up today. Use promo code VIKINGS to be entered into their million-dollar prize pool or just call 844-722-2387. Join the thousands of online players already playing. Only the biggest, only the best, only at MyBookie. Sign up today. Final talker of the day. Of the three to-be free agent wide receivers for the Vikings, so that would be Cordero Patterson, Charles Johnson, and Adam Thielen. Rank them in the order that you think is most likely to return next year. I think this is totally fluid. I think it's already changed a couple times. I would say, personally, Thielen, Patterson, Johnson, in order of likeliest to return. I see it the exact same way. I was just going to say, if you ranked them, I would say Thielen's the most important. Uh, he can play some special teams, but he has become a very dependable wide receiver. You can put him at X, Y, Z uh, in the slot, out wide. He'll do all the dirty work. He runs really good routes. He's a young player, which also helps. Uh, I think, you know, Patterson, uh, he has a limited role. It's becoming more of a role, but at the end of the day, he's not a traditional wide receiver. And there's a lot of just great athletes that come out of college that aren't Great, really good wide receivers, and uh, and you always can find another kickoff return guy, even though he is one of the best in the league. But uh, so I think he'd be number two, and I think Charles Johnson's number three. Uh, one because he's a little bit older, and two just because he hasn't had much production or made a lot of big plays this year for the Vikings. And so yeah, I rank him one, two, and three in that order. Quick NFL whip around, and then we'll get, uh, let you get on your plane. Three NFC North matchups this weekend. All of the NFC North teams at home. 
Rams at Lions. Uh, the Los Angeles team's been playing better of late, but they lose to Buffalo last week, while Detroit knocks off Philadelphia. Detroit hosting L.A. Your thoughts? That's a long trip for for uh, the Rams to, to travel to. You know, there's that history of West Coast teams traveling east, and the fact that, uh, that Detroit played well last week and beat what I think is a pretty dang good Philadelphia team right now. Um, I, I actually like Detroit in this ballgame. I do, too. I'm not convinced that Los Angeles is all that good. I think their defense is pretty solid, but uh, Case Keenum has not been all that scintillating for me. So I'm going to go with Detroit as well. Jaguars at Bears. Uh, probably the game I least want to watch this week. Uh, neither team is probably very good. I actually like the Jaguars in this game. Um, do you know if is Jay Cutler playing or is if Brian Hoyer's playing, I'm taking the Bears. If Jay Cutler's playing, I'm taking the Jags. I think Hoyer's won that job. I think Cutler's days might be numbered. All right. So I, I guess I'll go with the Bears in this one. All right. I also agree. And then Packers hosting the Cowboys. Dak Prescott, a four and one record going into Lambeau. Yeah, this should be probably one of the biggest games of the week in the NFL. And at the very minimum, from a ratings perspective, two of the most well-known teams in the NFL. And uh, I tell you, this is a big good one to analyze just based off of sort of the young up-and-coming star for uh, the Dallas Cowboys going against probably one of the biggest stars in the league in Aaron Rodgers uh, you know, at, at Lambeau Field. So, man, this should be a really good football game. I like the home game in this one. Um, just because of, I usually go with the, the stronger quarterback. Though I do love Dak Prescott, and that and that Dallas offensive line is phenomenal. So uh, if Dallas can stay away from the turnover bug, I like Dallas in this ball game. But I have a feeling that uh, Dak Prescott's finally going to throw his first interception of the season. Key matchup there is Ezekiel Elliott against the Packers' run defense. Green Bay hasn't allowed more than 50 rushing yards against any opponent. Ezekiel Elliott is a fantastic rookie who can run the ball like crazy, and they've got a great offensive line. So whoever wins that battle, the unstoppable force versus the immovable object dynamic, that's going to decide this game. Yeah, it should be a good one. should be a good one. So that's probably of all the games I'll watch this weekend on Sunday. Um, that'll probably be the one. And I, and I was thinking about, since I'm down in Austin, I'm thinking about driving over to Houston for the Sunday night game. Houston plays a home versus the Colts, but the problem is the Colts aren't very good either. If that was a uh, the Colts were, were a better football team this year. I'd probably be more interested in driving over for that game. It's only a two-and-a-half-hour drive. So uh, check out one of my old other uh, another one of my old teams, the Houston Texans. Yeah, and you saw them last week, too. So you're really yeah, – and you, and you saw the Giants. So you're doing the complete reunion tour. I just got to get to a Dolphins game sometime. I usually wait till you know, November, December to head down to Miami. That's try to get, try to get to a home game for, good, to good, watch the Dolphins. Good strategy. Good strategy. That's Sage <laughs> Rosenfels. I'm Sam Ekstrom. This is Locked on Vikings. You can uh, watch Sage tomorrow night, Cyclones.tv, and uh, see how they do against the Texas Longhorns, as he calls that game. Who's your play-by-play guy? His name is Brent Bloom. Uh, he's a – we call him the Encyclopedia because he's one of these guys who just – I don't think he ever played a sport in his life, but I tell you what, the guy knows more information about not just Iowa State, but just all of college football, college sports, pro sports. He absolutely has some sort of photographic memory, or he can he just memorizes massive amounts of information. So uh, he's great to do a game with because he throws out so much good information that I can then analyze. Good luck to your Cyclones as they take on Texas. This is Locked on Vikings. This 
is the Locked On Podcast Network. Sage and Sam back with you on Monday where we can finally, I think, begin to preview week seven as the Vikings take on the Eagles. Have a good weekend, everybody. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash List. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.